0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another 15-minute devotional, an online video and podcast series for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio, and for any viewers on Facebook and YouTube and listeners to Melvin Gaines' Faith Channel. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Melvin Gaines. This program encourages viewers and listeners to get into God's Word and stay in His Word with consistency as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, In this particular program, we're going to be covering the daily reading for Wednesday, August 30th, 2023. Wednesday, August 30th, 2023. Our church encourages participation in the two-year Bible reading plan, which allows for the reader to cover the entire Bible over a two-year period. In our devotional here, our program presents the passages for today, and then we make some verbal notes about the content as we go. But when you follow the two year Bible reading plan, it normally covers a seven to ten minute period of time, um, followed by the last five to eight minutes of time for reflection of the readings and then closing out in prayer. The routine takes about 15 minutes a day, hence the name 15 minute devotional. We encourage all participants to follow this pattern as they develop the best habits for reading, studying, and meditating on God's Word. Of course, you can read more than 10 minutes a day if you desire, but if you've got time constraints, if you've got issues with uh, a very busy schedule or hectic schedule, a 15-minute devotional helps establish at least the foundational pattern for good habits of reading and studying your Bible. So today's verses, we're going to be looking at Judges 14, verses 1 through 20, John chapter 1, verses 29 through 42, Psalm 102, verses 18 to 22, and Proverbs 22, verses 10 to 12. So that's going to be what's going to be covered for this uh, reading on August 30th. That If you were following the two-year plan, this is what would be on the schedule for this particular year. So with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. We thank you again for being here today. Here we go. Lord, thank you for this time that you've set aside for us now to study your word. We just want to give you praise and thanks for your very presence as we uh, examine, Lord, what your word says and that the Holy Spirit will come back and impart to us wisdom and knowledge. We give you praise for your very presence and we give you thanks. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, everybody, let's turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Judges 14. And we're going to start with verse 1. We're going to cover the entire... 14th chapter of Judges I think it's fair to preface uh, this reading because we kind of pick up right in the middle of uh, where Samson is established in Judges chapter 13 where he is born as a Nazarite and I want to make it clear that there were some things that you know, we know Samson is hardly perfect right he was a uh, very challenged as far as his obedience to the Lord and yet God still selected him to uh, basically deal with the Philistines who were giving the Israelites a hard time now the Israelites were disobedient they were that's the theme throughout all of Judges that we see that the Israelites continued to struggle with being obedient to the Lord they would readily uh, go after idols they would readily go after other individuals outside of Israel and uh, have relationships with them and have families with them and this was just an ongoing pattern but we have to recognize that um, Samson was selected by God. He was chosen by God, and he was born as a Nazarite, and there are certain rules that are established with that. We're going to see the challenges to all of these things right here in this, in this reading. So let's start with Judges 14, verse 1. Just start reading through the text and going through it. Uh, verse 1, this is the New Living Translation. We always read from the New Living Translation for the sake of ease of reading and understanding. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry? They asked, why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? Get her for me. She looks good to me. Uh, pardon me. But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. Verse 4. His, mother and mo- his father and mother didn't realize the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat, but he didn't tell his father or mother about it. When Samson arrived in Timnah, he talked with the woman and was very pleased with her. Later, when he returned to Timnah for the wedding, he turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion, and he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and mother, and they ate it. But he didn't tell them he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. Verse 10, as his father was making final arrangements for the marriage, Samson threw a party at Timnah, as was the custom for elite young men. Verse 11, when the bride's parents saw him, they selected 30 young men from the town to be his companions. Samson said to them, let me tell you a riddle. If you solve my riddle during these seven days of the celebration, I will give you 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. But if you can't solve it, then you must give me 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. All right, they agreed. Let's hear your riddle. Verse 14. So he said, Out of the one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Three days later, they were still trying to figure it out. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, "Entice your husband to explain the riddle for us, or we will burn down your father's house with you in it. Did you invite us to this party just to make us poor?" So Samson's wife came to him in tears and said, "You don't love me. You hate me. You have given me a, you've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer." I haven't even given the answer to my father or mother, he replied. Why should I tell you? Verse 17. So she cried whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. At last, on the seventh day, he told her the answer because she was tormenting him with her nagging. Then she explained the riddle to the young man, young men, excuse me. Verse 18. So before sunset of the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with their answer. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Samson replied, If you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle. Verse 19. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to the town of Ashkelon, killed 30 men, took their belongings, and gave their clothing to the men who had solved his riddle. But Samson was furious about what had happened, and he went back home to live with his father and mother. So his wife was given in marriage to the man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. Okay, that's Judges, chapter 14, verses 1 through 20. There's all kinds of stuff in this chapter to talk about. Um, And there's no shortage of material here. And I must say, when I did the research on this and looked at this particular chapter, and we look at Samson, we already know that Samson is definitely cut from a different cloth, right? He was selected by God to be... Uh, a judge and a leader, he would not completely rescue the Israelites from the Philistines. He did partially rescue them, but at the end of the day, he was a flawed man. Um, several things that come to mind when you review this passage, and uh, I'm just going to let you right know I've, I've got much of this information in reviewing this from um, uh, through the Bible by J. Vernon McGee in his review of Judges. First time I've ever seen anybody write a commentary about a man being called a sissy. And he called Samson a sissy. And why would he do that? It was because of the way he went about uh, getting his wife. First of all, it was a Philistine woman. He wasn't really supposed to marry any Philistines, but God knew that he would. God knew that that was the heart of Samson. And so he was acting... Um, the Lord worked with him in this area to make sure that he did get together with this Philistine woman. But Samson's asking his father and mother to uh, go and secure this woman for him, which was not customary at all. It was not. It was something that he was either just didn't feel like that he had the um, uh, wherewithal to go and do what he was supposed to do, and, and go and actually talk to the family and introduce himself to them and. And get to know them and understand and and speak about interests and understand something. It, it what it brings to mind when I think of something like this. We have a uh, a real bad time many of us when when it comes to uh, husbands and wives picking the proper spouse and how we go about things of this nature and and it's completely out of order today how those things are being done. Whereas there was an order at one point where you would actually. If you really wanted to pursue a woman you would go and do what talk to the family you would go and get the blessings of the father all those things and samson didn't bother to do any of those things um and i guess that uh jay verner mcgee thought that that was very cowardly it was not something that you should be doing a lot of things happening here in this particular chapter you know samson killed the lion we read about that in verse uh, um five and six and later when he went back and came across the carcass of the lion. He, you're not supposed to be touching anything dead. That's against Nazarite customs. You're not certainly not supposed to be eating anything out of the uh, carcass of the lions, but namely the honey that was the given, also given to his mother and father. And so, like I said, Samson was a real rebel. He just didn't really uh, care to do anything that was customary. He was going to do what he felt like doing. He would. That was the nature, his nature. And of course, it was going to be his detriment in the end. And we recognize that when we look at the entire reading of Samson. But nonetheless, he was selected to be this Nazarite who um, the spirit did work for him to do what? Basically uh, caused ruination for the Philistines. I I can't forget the part about how um, when he told the riddle, you know, one of the things you do when you get together in a festival, I guess, He told the riddle to the uh, other parties in the wedding, the wedding parties, uh, the 30 Philistines who were there at the party. And his wife uh, has nagged him almost to death. Um, That's something that's very interesting to see. So you can see why it's important for you to choose the right wife, Uh, amen, And, and for the wife to choose the right husband. And neither one of them were obviously very compatible. It was really just one of those things where... Um, At the end of the day, Samson was so mad, he just left this woman uh, at the altar and didn't even bother to marry her. Um, But notice how God had sent uh, Samson to go down to Ashkelon, which was way south of where they were. He was uh, furious about what had happened when the riddle was figured out um, and sulked, basically, at the end and went back home to live with his parents. So you see the character of Samson for who he really is and what's going on here. And I guess it's really very mysterious uh, when we look at the stories in Scripture about how God uses certain people, and he certainly uses flawed people. But what does he use the flawed people to do? He also wants to accomplish his will. He wants to accomplish uh, his will and the things that he wants to have done, he is going to do it, regardless of the person that he uh, has chosen to do the work. And Samson was hardly a leader. Um, we can see that from this behavior. And if we go back and look at this for what it truly is, um, it's kind of a sad story in a way. But it's a reminder, though, of the way that we can do things differently here when we're living in a certain way. You know, we're going to see as we get further into the Proverbs today and look at when we look at our reading for the, in the Proverbs today, we're going to see the importance of us recognizing it's very clear about what it is to do right and what it is to do wrong and what it is to live with integrity and what it is to live in such a manner that is inappropriate for anybody who's a believer in the lord jesus christ we have the information that we need to live a uh, a life that glorifies god and we're seeing in this reading here about how you know samson basically gives his parents a hard time he gives this uh his uh, this person who is supposed to be his wife a hard time He makes things difficult and he is kind of arrogant about how he does things, but yet God still used him. And so we have to see that he used him not because of how good Samson was, but he used him because he was going to accomplish his will. Really interesting story to ponder and think about as we go further into the readings in the book of Judges and how even the people before Samson that we read about before last week, we read about Gideon. And we saw that even Gideon was a flawed leader. He was not perfect, far from it. But God used him mightily as well, too. And Gideon was one who was usually operated mostly in fear, uh, if anything. And yet, uh, because he had faith in God and God used him mightily, he was able to accomplish many great things with only 300 men in his army and literally had uh, taken out thousands and thousands of people. And that's because God did it. We always have to recognize that God is the one that accomplishes these things. So I would just encourage you to take the time to go back and look over this chapter and just look at all the different things that Samson did wrong and what Samson did that was contrary to following God. And recognize something here, too. There comes a point where time runs out. You don't want to ever test God or tempt God or tempt your own fate because you think you're going to get away with something when you really... Aren't going to get away with it at all. You didn't get away. With, you don't get away with anything. Let's start with that, right? Okay, let's jump over now. Thank you for your indulging me for that commentary. It was really something today in looking at this. Go to John chapter one and let's look at verses twenty nine through forty two. John chapter one, verses twenty nine through forty two. Now, as you can see, we're in a different section here. Last week we were in Luke at the towards the end of Luke, and now we're in John, and we're in John um, chapter one. We're covering um, mostly the communication initially with John the Baptist about who Jesus was, and Jesus is being introduced here in this text, where he'll see he'll speak his own words for the first time uh, in this particular text in the book of John chapter one. Let's start reading verse 29. And go to verse 42 Uh, verse 29 John chapter 1 the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world verse 30 he is the one I was talking about when I said a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am for he existed long before me I did not recognize him as the Messiah but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Verse 35. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Verse 39, Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of those men who heard about, who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Verse 41, Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Verse 42, then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus, looking intently at Simon. Jesus said, your name is Simon. Son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. All right, verses 29 through 42 of John chapter one, and of course, John the Baptist is the one who is uh, paving the way for Jesus's entry and his uh, be the beginning, the very beginning of his ministry. The very beginning of his ministry officially started when he was baptized by John. And one of the things we have to understand here, too, about John and John, you know, they were always encountering him at the beginning of uh, John chapter one. Many people were coming up to John, who was working mightily on behalf of the Lord, as far as telling people they need to repent and turn back to God or turn to God altogether. And they were questioning him as to who he was and wondering if he was the one who was going to be the Messiah. And John had to tell them, no, it's not me. Uh, There is someone coming greater than I. And I I, I admire John for what he did about making sure that he was saying that uh, he has to increase while he decreases. And he was being very humble about that. It's something that all believers need to make sure that they recognize. As you get more and more into your faith and what you're doing with the Lord, it's not really the accomplishments that you put forth. It's really... How God is being glorified by what you're doing, and so it really is all about making sure that, you know, when someone you know gives you um, a congratulations for something, or someone recognizes something that you've done, um, you always say to God, "Be the glory," because He's the one that does it. He's the one that enables you to be able to do what you do in the kingdom, and it's always that way. It's the same thing. So God is the one who's to be glorified in all those situations. And notice what it says again in verse 33. I didn't know, this is John the Baptist talking, I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Um, John, the writer here, gives us a totally different way uh, of how the baptism takes place. He gives the account of the baptism based upon the witness testimony where God spoke directly to John the Baptist about who the person is to be identified. And so we have this account of the baptism of Jesus because God told him that this is what was going to happen. The Spirit's going to descend on this person. He is the Messiah. He is the one who's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. He is the one who is going to be the chosen one that God uh, gives. And that's what it says in verse 34. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify. He is the chosen one of God and recognize too that um, when we identify two of the disciples are being identified here Uh, of course John the writer of this is one of them Um, but he's identifying towards the end here Andrew uh, and also identifying uh, Simon uh, Andrew's brother and of course Simon is going to be identified as Cephas Peter the rock Um, we, we already know that Uh, of the personality of Peter. We're going to see more about him as time goes along. But Jesus already spoke to him about who he was and and knew all about who um, Peter was. Um, And that's going to be very important for us to see as well here too. Uh, Jesus knows all the characters here. Jesus knows all the people who are involved. You better believe he knows where you are and what you're all about too. He knows the, the heart that you have and he knows the desire that you have to serve him. Make sure that you do everything you can to um, live up to that. Uh, be, be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ because he chose and selected you uh, to be one of the people uh, to carry on the ministry of Jesus Christ and speak to others. Be disciples of Christ and be disciples for Christ and make disciples of others as well too. Amen. Okay, let's go to Psalm 102. Psalm 102, we're going to look at verses 18 through 22. Psalm 102, verses 18 through 22. We're going to read those verses, and let's go over the content here. Psalm 102, verse 18. Let this be recorded for future generations, so that a people not yet born will praise the Lord. Tell them the Lord looked down from his heavenly sanctuary. He looked down to earth from heaven to hear the groans of the prisoners to release those condemned to die. And so the Lord's fame will be celebrated in Zion, his praises in Jerusalem, when multitudes gather together and kingdoms come to worship the Lord. Okay, this psalm, of course, is like many other psalms that have multiple meanings embedded within it. It is a Messianic psalm that uh, gives an account, for example, of uh, the Lord in the Gethsemane. We believe, based upon what we have, that David was the writer. Um, We believe that, can't confirm it for sure, but he is the one who's writing about the prayer, the afflicted, when he is overwhelmed and poureth out his complaint before the Lord. So we certainly know that Jesus was one of those individuals that Uh, you could attribute that too. But we also see too that uh, while it is a messianic psalm, it it has a, a mild amount of prophecy because verse 18 says that let this be recorded for future generations so that a people not yet born will praise the Lord. That means future generations. That means future people. But we also know that it also speaks truth as to what has been happening over and over again. And Interestingly enough, the reason why we have the book of Judges, we want to show the account of how when the people complained to the Lord about their captivity, even though they were being disobedient, the Lord managed to send them someone to help them through that affliction, help them through that difficulty. And it was for the purpose of what? Recognizing that the I am the Lord. When the Lord says he's going to do what he does, he's going to respond to his people. He's going to respond to those who call out for him. And I think that we have to recognize that, too. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 recognizes God's goodness. He talks about uh, in verse 7 in Hebrews 5, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Now we have to understand something about this thing about rescue. Rescue means he wouldn't die and stay dead at the end of the day he was going to fulfill his will and purpose for Jesus because Jesus was obedient to the Father. He was the, um, the lamb, the perfect lamb that was slain um, for the purposes of covering our sin past, present, and future. He takes care of our eternal life through those very actions because of what he did for us on the cross. He did those things. Um, and honestly, Jesus is the one that we are looking to in all these situations, to recognize that when there's trouble, when there's difficulty, the first name we should be calling on is Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. It's all about faith, isn't it? What overcomes fear? Faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor, beside God's throne. Amen and amen. So we have hope that comes from reading these psalms and looking at the promises that Jesus is keeping for us and has kept for us, that we will have eternal life with him. Well worth celebrating and giving God the glory and the praise. I think I mentioned in a previous sermon about the importance where we, we really can't praise God enough. There We need to just keep praising him and recognizing who he is. And I think that the mentality for many believers out there, and, and maybe this was the problem with the Israelites during the book of Judges' time, they just did not really pay attention to what God was doing. They didn't really care, or they weren't acting selfishly in spite of what God had done. And I think we have to come back and say, you know what, sometimes we can be very selfish too, and we don't recognize God's goodness in our lives. May we always have the reverence. And respect for what God is doing. We had some thunderstorms last night. Actually, last couple of nights um, uh, during the taping of this, and recognizing that you know there's a lot of power out there in in, in nature. When we talk about what happens when uh, warm air meets cold air, and the and the conflict that takes place in the skies above us, above our heads, and the tornadoes and the rainstorms, and the power that comes from that. It makes you really think about where that all comes from. It comes from the Lord. It comes from him. He is the one who presides over the storms. He presides over those changes in temperature, changes in conditions. And it should make you really just stop and think about God's power. He is very powerful. There's nothing we can do except just pray for protection when these storms come through. And that means having some reverence for who God is. He recognizes, uh, we recognize who he is. It's not about for him to tell us, we need to see it for ourselves, and prayerfully we are doing that very thing. And it's important for us to recognize that um, in these Psalms, and we're going to go to a proverb right now, Proverbs chapter 22, Proverbs 22, uh, verses 10 through 12, when we talk about having wisdom, you know, Solomon is the one who is the writer of the Proverbs, and we need to have wisdom when we're talking about uh, matters that come to the Lord and how we should uh, have our relationship with him. Let's look at Proverbs uh, chapter 22, verses 10 through 12, and that'll be uh, close out our reading for the day. Remember what I said earlier about um, knowing what's right, knowing what's wrong. This is what this is all about here, so let's take a look at it. Verse 10, Proverbs 22. Throw out the mocker and fighting goes too. Quarrels and insults will disappear. Whoever loves a pure heart and gracious speech will have the king as a friend. The Lord preserves those with knowledge, but he ruins the plans of the treacherous. Is it simple to see here when we look at this particular proverb, we recognize that um, Solomon gives us all kinds of wisdom here and is continuing to share that wisdom. There's always this conversation here within the Proverbs about what it is about a person who opposes God, what it is about a person who uh, has a pure heart and follows God. There are behaviors associated with that uh, reasoning and that thinking. Right versus wrong. We're talking about throwing out the mocker. Who are we talking about? A person who mocks God? A person who mocks people? A person who believes that they're more important than someone else? And the quarrels and insults are going to disappear too because when you get rid of a person who is causing turmoil like this, it gets peaceful. It gets quiet. I love verse 11. Whoever loves a pure heart and gracious speech will have the king as a friend. Now, this is referring to just any king who is in rulership. um, But let's talk about the king, the true king, Jesus Christ. If you have a pure heart, if you have gracious speech, you're emulating the actions of our King, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what we need to be doing at all times. There's no exceptions to this. We can have a bad day, a bad moment, but we need to come back and turn around and say, Lord, forgive me for being harsh or saying things I shouldn't be saying. And look at verse 12 again. The Lord preserves those with knowledge, but he ruins the plans of the treacherous. God knows the heart of every person. He knows those who truly do want to seek after him. He also knows those who want to cause ruination upon others, who want to give difficulty to others. And like I said, you know, those you can get away with some things. You're never getting away with anything. Let's start with that. Okay? But you can do things and think that you're getting away with them. At the end of the day, you don't get away with anything. If you're treacherous, if you're mean, if you're... Um, repulsive with your behaviors it's going to catch up with you it's going to come to an end uh, because it essentially means that you don't follow Jesus you don't care for Jesus you don't want to live in such a manner where you're emulating Jesus you're only frankly being a child of Satan child of the devil uh, it will come to an end at some point so may we always heed the warnings that we see in uh, the Proverbs about behaviors where God knows the, every individual. Uh, Jesus has spoken this, uh, had known this in several occasions. We look at uh, the readings in, in, in the Gospels, that he knows the hearts of everyone. He knows who you are. Make yourself a person who truly wants to be sincere now in following Jesus and living for him. He's going to enable you through the power of the Spirit to do all these things, to live in such a manner where you're honoring and glorifying him. And you'll know exactly who gets the glory Jesus does for what he's doing for you in your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for this time that you've given us to read and study your word and just go over the passages. And Lord, as we dedicate ourselves to reading your word each day, may we have the same desire to learn and grow more and more in our relationship with you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who enables us to live in such a manner where we're honoring and glorifying you. And Lord, as you teach us, may we be good students and we all, may we also share the good news with others about your goodness and how you have taught us what we know. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We want to go with, with you the entire day and we thank you and we just give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you so much for joining us for this 15-minute devotional. Thank you for staying with us. We'll have another one next week. We appreciate you being here. God bless you. Take care of yourselves. Look us up online at akronalliance.org. Follow us on our Facebook page, Akron Alliance Fellowship. Our YouTube channel as well, too. Thank you. YouTube for Akron Alliance Fellowship. We'll see you next time.